Good morning. We are live on Coast to Coast Football, although today it's just one coast. My co-host Nick Kendall is on daddy duty today. Well, he's been on it for like three weeks, but had kind of a long night and is not going to be joining us today. So it's just one coast. I'm in Atlanta where there has been some big news breaking, but I also lived in L.A. for 10 years and there's been some big news over there as well. Now, this is Coast to Coast Football, so I want to hit on more than just the Atlanta Falcons, but I know that's where this is going to turn. Uh, so I want to get started first by just talking about Jim Harbaugh uh, and the the hire that the 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 LA Chargers. I'm gonna call him San Diego before the day is over. I apologize. Before the 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 Chargers head now, for me, Jim Harbaugh was the number one candidate last year. He was the number one candidate again this year. Uh, it, it was coming out pretty early before there was even an opening that if, if Harbaugh were to come out, he was probably going to go to the LA Chargers, uh, all the, the connections out there. The the quarterback situation is probably the number one spot. I, I look at spot rack and I see the uh, when I initially saw the uh, salary cap, they're like $40 million over. Oh, no. And, and then I went and dug a little bit more into it and, and they can save about $80 million like that with a, with about four pen strokes of either restructuring or moving on from a couple guys, probably restructures because some of those guys are pretty good. So they're, they're actually in a pretty good cap situation, despite where you look at the, the rankings on, on there. Um, I think Harbaugh is a phenomenal football coach. I don't think that really is a, a, a hot take. Uh, I was out in California when he was at Stanford and just watched him come in there and totally reshape Stanford football. Um, then you saw what he did. You know, he turned around a team. I, I went through the record yesterday, the San Francisco 49ers, like the eight years before he got there. And I don't think they had a winning season in like eight years. And then he goes like 48 and 16 or something in four years with a couple of different quarterbacks uh, in San Francisco. Then he goes to Michigan and takes them over the hump. And I think that's what the LA Chargers are hoping they're going to be able to do. The LA Chargers are kind of being seen as a going in, you know, as an underachieving team, a little soft, so to speak. Well, if Jim Harbaugh is nothing, he's not soft. If he's anything, he's not soft. Too many negatives in there. He's not soft. He's going to build trenches. He's going to try and play bully ball. And I think you could see Justin Herbert's numbers come down a little bit because you don't need him throwing for 4,500 yards. You need him being a little bit more efficient, rely on the running game, and just get tougher. I really, really like this hire for the uh, for the LA Chargers, and I'm looking forward to watching him. And I, I had said with Harbaugh, if he doesn't come out this year after the the stuff that he went through, after winning it all, the the death by a thousand cuts that is the NCAA as they're still trying to justify their existence. Uh, it's just, it's more than you want to deal with when you've got choices to go and make eight figures a year coaching in the NFL and, and don't, and, and these guys, most of them, that's what they want to do. They want to coach. They don't want to deal with all this other BS that it takes to run a program in college football, then deal with the, all the one-year contracts, which is all they are with with NIL, and the, you know, and then the NCA is still looking at you because you bought a kid a hamburger. Meanwhile, uh, you know, another kid's getting ten million dollars in NIL money. So it, I said, if he didn't come out this year, forget it. I'm never going to say his name again for the NFL. This was a year for him to come out. He did. Congratulations to the LA Chargers. I love this hire for you. Congratulations to Jim Harbaugh. Now, I want to uh, I want to say we go live on this show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I appreciate so many of y'all hitting that subscribe button. 
uh, my YouTube channel has actually grown 10% in the last month. We picked up 500 subscribers. So I was hoping to get to 5,000 by the end of the Senior Bowl cycle. Well, thanks to y'all, we might be at 5,000 before I even go down to the Senior Bowl on Monday and start getting what I consider the premier content of this channel for the year. Uh, I take a 4K camera down there and I cut up about 80 highlights of guys and we'll talk about them for three months. So thanks to all y'all. And one of the reasons I wanted you to hit that subscribe button, well, selfishly, but for you is for breaking news. And last night we went live as soon as the news broke that the Atlanta Falcons hired Raheem Morris. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but on, th on uh, Wednesday's episode of the Falcons podcast, we, uh, we, we put in a picture of Rich McKay and we put in a picture of Raheem Morris. Now, there's a lot of news that has involved those two guys here in the last 24 hours. Now, I don't, I'm not going to say I, this is, I had inside information. This is what I was predicting. I did feel that Raheem Morris was a very, very strong contender for this job. I titled it Falcons leading away from Bill Belichick, which to me ended up meaning that it was, it was Raheem Morris or um, Bobby Sloak. If they decided to take a swing on a really young guy, I thought it was going to be one of those two guys. Uh, it ended up being Raheem, Raheem Morris. Arthur Blank is a, rela a relationship guy. He's got a previous relationship with Raheem Morris. Uh, Raheem Morris has paid his dues, so to speak. You know, and, and I see a lot of this. Look at his record. His record to me is irrelevant to a certain extent in that the fact that it was 15 years ago and he was a 32-year-old kid. He has done a lot since then. And how do you get a, and, you know, unless you're born into it, like, you know, uh, a Lane Kiffin type, but how do you even get a job as a head coach in the NFL as a young black man at 32 years old by being really, really talented and somebody seeing something really special in you? He wasn't ready for it. He, he wasn't ready for that job at 32. He's a 47-year-old grown man now who has worked several different staffs and whose Rolodex of possible hires has gotten ex much longer the reception he's gotten, we'll see if this plays over because it doesn't necessarily matter. They don't have to love you. They have to respect you. But the reception he's gotten from players, not even with the Falcons, but if, that have played for him around the NFL have been huge. You know, about, you know, Jalen Ramsey coming out and saying that, you know, I, I don't consider this tampering or anything, but I, you know, I'd play for him in a heartbeat. And there's a lot of players around the league that would. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, we go live because I like having the conversation with y'all. So uh, I want to say hello to some folks that have come in in the chat nice and early. I'm going to take a slug of Lion Coffee. Um, they keep us nice and caffeinated. Patrick Wilsey of LionCoffee.com sends us coffee and we appreciate it. So I'm going to take a sip of coffee real quick and then say good morning to some folks in the chat like Red Swarm, who is nice and early. He's offering up the coffee cup. He says, good morning, Scott. I was on the opposite side of you when it came to hiring Bill Belichick. But I'm beginning to feel the way that we may have dodged a bullet in hiring him. Maybe the game has passed him by. Now, this is one of those box score things, right? I look at this and say, I had a chance to hire. And this one I will say, when someone says, oh, you had a, you know, you, you, you missed on Jim Harbaugh. No, you didn't. You, you didn't miss on Jim Harbaugh. You were never in it. You never had a chance. You didn't miss on Jim Harbaugh. You had a chance at Bill Belichick. I'll listen to this one. Bill Belichick. You had a chance to hire Bill Belichick, the winningest coach of all time. Instead, you go for a guy with a 356 winning percentage. Uh, you know, very falcony of you. Again, the 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 uh his record from 
15 years ago is to me, it's irrelevant. It, it really is. I learned a lot by doing some bad things uh, and getting better. So one of those, you ever catch yourself thinking back to, you know, high school days or something. You're like, man, I really wish I would have done this. And then you ask yourself, would I change anything about where I am now in my stage, kids, family, all this? I'm like, no, I wouldn't. All right. Well, those experiences help lead you to the place you are now. Raheem Morris is a good football coach. I don't think anybody said anything about that. Will he be a good head football coach his second time around? We'll see. Uh, we'll see. But again, I went through it yesterday. And I just had this karmic feeling of Bill Belichick coming down here for a couple of years and just being a failure. And it's like, okay, now he's just he's just spitting on the grave of the 2016 Atlanta Falcons. He's coming to, to, to kill the Falcons, you know, it, from the inside out. Um, I, I didn't want Bill Belichick. He wasn't in my top five uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't think you can – I don't see a quarterback you can pair him with that you can if, – if I'm if – I'm, if this was Matt Ryan 2019, I'm listening. Matt Ryan's in a window where, where he can win. It's not. They don't know what they're doing at quarterback, and you don't have time to develop one. You don't have time. Okay, pair him with Kirk Cousins. Okay, maybe that – I could be interested. I could get behind that, but that's, that's not necessarily wanted. I can still get Kirk Cousins. I still can. Evan, good to see you. He says, good morning. Evan's talking about uh, hires, possible hires already. He says, Jimmy Lake and Zach Robinson, if they come with Raheem, we get a quarterback, whether it's in the draft or trade free agency, we're cooking. They wanted to get a leader like Campbell, and they got one. Bye-bye, McKay. That's the other big news. When I put in the in the, in the the uh, in the title on this, big shakeup in Atlanta, it's not just the coach. It's Rich McKay's. Apologies. Let me... Uh, let me, uh, <laughs> Nick, I'm going to answer this one real quick. I'm going to send Nick a, a note real quick. Cause he's up. He might, uh, he might come join us. So I'm going to, I'm going to send an invite to Nick real quick, um, and see if he does want to join us. Um, but they got one in Campbell by my bouquet is th that was quietly not to Falcons fans who were paying attention, but that was quietly. Maybe the bigger move is that, the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Blank has basically moved Rich McKay out of any position of power with the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. You might not gotten Bill Belichick, but you might have listened to Bill Belichick. If the rumors were true, and I have reason to believe they were, if Bill Belichick says, I'm not going to come in and work under Rich McKay. He may have poisoned Rich McKay enough to Arthur Blank that Arthur Blank said, okay, we need to make a move. So now... uh. Raheem Morris coming in and Terry Fontenot coming in, they are reporting directly to Arthur Blank. Now, Arthur Blank, I don't consider him a big meddler. I really don't. He pokes his nose in every once in a while, but when you're the head of a $5 billion industry, you're allowed to. I think this is the best thing possible for Falcons fans, honestly. You might not, if you wanted Bill Belichick, for one of the reasons you wanted him was to get rid of Rich McKay, you might have gotten that from Bill Belichick. So say thank you anyway. Ghost Peppers in saying good morning. Um, good morning to you, Ghost Peppers. DeMarco on this, DeMarco Baker's fitness. He's asking a little bit about the Rooney rule. Uh, and I really don't like talking about this. I don't too much. Uh, but I will just for the facts of this. Frankly, I've, I've always said, you know, you want equality in this world. You need to have people have the same type of reaction I do, which is I don't care. You know, this this. I don't even remember his name. The guy from Missouri is coming out. He's 
the first openly gay guy to enter the draft. I don't care. Can he get to the quarterback? We're not going to have equality and people say that. I don't, I don't care that Raheem Morris is black. I don't. Maybe that's me being an overprivileged white guy. I don't know. Col you know, content of the character. You know, I believe in MLK. Anyway, do we get an extra pick for hiring a minority coach? No. Uh, it's it works the other way. And and um Red Swarm did come in here and answer that. It works the opposite direction. If you've got someone that either gets hired to a, a front office job like general manager, it's got to be high ranking or a head coach, then you get a third round pick. You get two third round picks, actually. So the Rams, who say F them picks, the Rams will actually get two third round picks, one this year and one next year, because Raheem Morris was hired by the Atlanta Falcons. Good for them. Good for Raheem. It doesn't, it's, it's just a comp and pick. It doesn't come from the Falcons. So it's not like it would have been with Lamar Jackson where the Falcons would have had to send them two first round picks plus $250 million contract with Lamar Jackson. Um, Michael Dubb says, good morning all. After looking at the hire for so many reasons, I think it could really be a good fit for the Falcons. And again, uh, I like the reporting line change of the Falcon organization. McKay stepping aside seemed to say that Terry Fontenot has more power than we thought. Terry Fontenot was a first year, uh, a first time general manager. And I think he's done a good job really with the Falcons, except for now I've got, I call these macro and micro problems. And it's kind of how I judge life. You know, when I'm looking for my son for a baseball team, I got micro problems. Oh, Johnny should be batting fourth, not seventh. I want him in center field. Those are micro problems. Susie's mom talks too much. Those are micro problems. The micro problems on, uh, on, on Terry Fontenot for me, or would I have gone in a different direction in this draft? Yeah, probably. We can talk about that all the time. We always do. The macro problem, the one for me right now is the quarterback situation. Is that how it's never, we're a hundred percent in agreement. Why did the Falcons go into this season with just Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke? And why didn't, didn't Desmond Ritter play more? In, in his rookie season and why did he sit during his uh nfl draft or not nfl draft sorry uh why did he sit during the preseason why did he sit during the preseason this, this is a kid that desperately needed um he desperately needed reps and didn't get any terry Fontenot just got more power within the atlanta falcons organization and arthur smith is not there anymore i feel like i got my answers on that one uh want to say hello to dave um, appreciate you coming in, Dave, with a super chat. Just as a reminder, the most direct way to support the show and the channel and everything that we're doing is, is like this, is through the super chats. Uh, it means a lot to us and everything we do. And um, Dave says, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I was the first in line and not wanting Belichick to Atlanta. I'm fine with Morris, but I'm intrigued with how he would build a staff. And I'm, you're probably not the only one. And here's the things I want to warn warn you about. And we'll get back to uh, what Evan said, you know, ideally on the offensive side of the ball, let's look at Zach Robinson uh, enters his fifth year with the Los Angeles Rams in 2023, a second as a quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. That is an ideal candidate for a step up to an offensive coordinator position. Um, how close is he going to be with him? Now, he also mentioned Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake was on the defensive side of the ball. He could be in line for a promotion. Now, here's the problem, y'all. Just like the head coach, not only are there eight new staffs, there's also lots of openings being made from where those guys are hired. So not only am I competing with the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks, now 
for my open defensive coordinator position to try and fill, I'm also competing with the LA Rams. I'm also competing. Uh, we'll, we'll see you we'll also get tired, but I'm, well, one of the guys was Ryan Nielsen of the Falcons. They were going to have an opening anyway, but there's openings being created when guys get hired. So you almost double the openings for the position coaches. Giro Evero is the perfect defensive coordinator hire, in my opinion. Guess what? Falcons interviewed him twice for the head coaching job. Was it for the head coaching job or was Giro Evero still a year away? He had a very good defense with the Denver Broncos. He had a very good defense with the uh, with the Carolina Panthers, despite for them, despite their problems. Now they got really good personnel too, but the problems for the Panthers was dysfunction and being on on uh, on offense. And a lot of it could be youth. I'm not blaming Bryce Young. This isn't a Bryce Young thing. Ezero Evero was in a dysfunctional situation in Denver. He was in a dysfunctional situation in Carolina. He's gotten to meet Arthur Blank, the owner. He worked for Raheem Morris. He was his boss. He was a defensive coordinator when Evero was a defensive backs coach in LA. And they interviewed together, basically. And you know part of the interview process for Raheem Morris is selling you on the guys I can get as staff. Do you think that might have come up? in the interviews with Arthur Blank, Raheem Morris, and Ajiro Evero about Evero being the defensive coordinator. I would love, love that hire on the defensive side of the ball. The offensive one is what scares me a little bit, and we'll get into some other other, uh, other names here before too long. I want to keep saying hello to some folks. Um, let me reply to Nick via text real quick, just in case he didn't get the, the direct message. DM Twix. All right. See if we can get Nick in here. I, I want to hear from Nick too, because what Nick excels at that I miss on is some of these hires and stuff that you're talking about. I can go one deep head coaches, maybe coordinators. Nick, Nick knows these guys. He'll, he can talk about possible hires as well. Floyd Donnelly saying, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Um, biggest question to be answered. Yes. The offensive coordinator, he says, um, Rusty Moore is not happy about this hire. Uh, is Raheem really an upgrade over Arthur Smith? No. Okay. Um, I can I could make this argument, Rusty. If this was a debate, if this was a debate class, and we had this, we had we had to take each take a side. I would I could take either side of this, but you know where the side I would take this when it comes to Arthur Smith? Is he really an upgrade over Arthur Smith? No. You know why I would take that position? Because I think Arthur Smith's a pretty good head coach. I really do. I know it's going to come off crazy. You're out of your mind. I think Arthur Smith did a lot of good things for this Atlanta Falcons team. I thought his, I, I really liked his, I really liked his, uh, his position coach hires, which is important. I liked watching guys come in and play hard for him. We hadn't always seen that. We've seen Falcons teams. If you've been around long enough, you've seen Falcons teams flat out quit. I, those are two big ones for me. Now, I don't like his some of his personnel decisions. And the offensive coordinator play caller had to be fired. Okay? Have you upgraded the offensive coordinator play caller yet? No, you haven't. So therefore, you haven't necessarily upgraded. Is Raheem Morris an upgrade at defensive on the defensive side of the ball over Ryan Nielsen? That's a good argument too. 
Ryan Nielsen did a damn good job. Could he sustain it from year one to year two? Maybe. Short sample size, right? So we're not sure on that. I think Arthur Smith is going to be a head coach in this league again, and I think he needs to hire himself an offensive coordinator. Who Raheem Morris can bring in and fulfill his duties as head coach in order to oversee the entire program is going to include his staff. If he goes and gets Zach Robinson, is Zach Robinson an upgrade over Arthur Smith as a play caller? Yes, this one's going to be easy because we watched the Atlanta Falcons and their play calling last year, and it was poor. So for me, it's really going to depend on that on that part of it. Um, Want to scroll down, and this becomes a good question too, Brandon, over on uh, on Facebook. He says, uh, do you think Morris would draft a quarterback over or a veteran quarterback? I think you, you got to kick the tire. Free agency is before the draft. I'm not telling anything you don't know. Free agency is before the draft, and then you could possibly make trades before the draft. So we, the Falcons don't get a quarterback before they get into the draft, and I'm, then they're going to draft one. Will they draft him at eight? I don't know. Will they see who might be there in the second round? Will they try and trade back? But they're going to have to come out of that with a quarterback. They're going to have to swing big on this. Now, Jeremy Fowler's prediction for the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC South, he was reporting predictions from, uh, you know, gathering, aggregating opinions from NFL executives was that Bill Belichick and Kirk Cousins would end up in Atlanta and they would win the NFC South. One of those is not happening. Two of the three would still be pretty good batting average on that. Kirk Cousins could end up in Atlanta as your veteran quarterback for a couple of years. His price tag and his injury history and his age scare me. Um, but it could happen. It could happen. If Kirk Cousins was a healthy quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons last year, the team's probably 12 and 5. They'd probably get beat in the first round of the playoffs because they still weren't great. But they uh they with that schedule, you going from seven and ten. We, we've 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 rehashed this a zillion times with that schedule competent quarterback play and, and Kirk Cousins was playing really well last year they win a bunch of those games that they shouldn't have lost like the commanders like the Panthers there's two right there off the top of my head and we could go on so we'll see we will see it's gonna be damn near impossible to get into the top three do you go after Justin Fields then maybe do you go after you know a Jacoby Brissett, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield's going to cost a bill, a Gardner Minshew type? You know, I, you're going after those guys. You're you're going to cast a wide net. So you know, do you do you call the Cowboys and say, you know, what do you think about Trey Lance? You, you're making all of those calls. When you know, do you pick up the phone and say, hey Cam, you know, you said you wanted to play, you want to come in and work out. And when it's so funny, the, the conversations on social media, when you say something like that, it's like, would you, would you bring in Cam Newton? Yeah, I would for a workout. I, I'd bring in a hundred guys for a workout. Does that mean I want to sign him or I want him leading the team next year? No, that, that's different, but you're going to have to cast a very, very wide net. Uh, Austin, good to see you. Feels like a newer name. If, if it's not, I apologize. Um, he says Falcons have cap space and, and ability to create more. I'm hoping for a splash in free agency might be easier to go on the defensive line than it is on, uh, you know, and they need pass rushers. So can you go get Daniil Hunter from Minnesota? If you can't get Kirk cousins, uh, can you spend some money there? 
Um, Grover Stewart is an interesting name for me up in for in, on a two two three year deal up in Indianapolis. Um, he is he's one of three guys that have had like seven sacks six years in a row. Um, I can't remember it's Chris Jones and I can't remember the third one. Um, but it was it wasn't somebody you might normally expect. They were big guys though. It wasn't an edge because those guys have a tendency to get hurt every now and then. Um. But it was, but Grover Stewart is is someone I would keep an eye on. We'll start talking potential free agencies. We'll we'll look into that probably in two weeks. Next week's going to be all about Senior Bowl and, and, and NFL draft, and then we'll start looking into it'll be about free agency time. It's coming. We're only about four weeks away from free agency. Um, John Harrell, good to see you, my friend. He says, "Great morning, Scott and the Falcons family. Give us your list of OCs." I'll do that. I'll do that real quick. Some names I came up with. Now remember. The other side of this is every time there is a change, so it kind of balances out, right? I just said, you know, if you if there's an opening, Raheem Morris has just come to an Atlanta. He needs a, a defensive coordinator, but now so do the Rams. But the, the other side of that is when a new staff comes in, that staff is basically blown up, right? And that's how Ryan Nielsen gets hired. And I frankly, I thought Ryan Nielsen might end up in Denver, back with uh with sean payton but it looks like sean payton's gonna hold on to vance joseph so i'm where i'm going with this is with jim harbaugh kellen moore is out okay so we talked about zach robinson a lot what about kellen moore i don't want kellen moore but you know kellen moore's a pretty good coach he's still just 35 years old kellen moore is available someone i'm really interested in also is is still brian johnson i had him on that initial list of possible head coaches well he's been fired in Philadelphia. Now, is that a victim of Nick Sirianni or is he just flat out can't coach? Brian Johnson's got a pretty good resume. Um, he uh, he was actually Dak Prescott's coach based on what I was looking up. Uh, I, I hope I didn't mess this up, but I, I double checked the timeline, but he was Dak Prescott's coach at Mississippi State. He's been a quarterback's coach for years. Um, can you... And I think you can. So I don't think this is an Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid thing because Mike LaFleur is, can you get a head coaching job while coaching under Sean McVay? Yes, you can. Um, you can be the offensive coordinator and not necessarily be seen. So I don't know that Mike LaFleur coming back to Atlanta as the offensive coordinator, play caller and having more responsibility would be enough of a carrot for him. Um, someone to watch. Um those are a couple guys I was looking at. I think the the big one there though is Zach Robinson, but I'd keep an eye on Kellen Moore. I'd keep an eye on Brian Johnson as well. Steve Kennedy, that's that's my dad. Hey, dad. This is a great show last night. McKay gone. I know they're happy about that. Interesting. Let's get down to winning football games. Absolutely. Albert Molina. Morning, Scott. Love the hire, but let's be real. Arthur Blank panicked because the media was on his tail. I started thinking a little bit about this. You know, is is Arthur Blank is out of touch as people say, no, no, he's not. And he, he, he cares about this team. He cares about the city, he cares about the fans, whether he makes the right choice. That's a different, the different discussion all along, but this kind of goes back to at the beginning, me, me saying Albert, Alberto, did Bill Belichick help get rid of McKay, even though he didn't hire him? Was he in his ear enough to say, listen, this is your problem, man. You know, does does Bill Belichick end up as a consultant, as the consigliere for for uh, for Arthur Blank a little bit? Maybe, maybe. Um, Dave asked, "Do you think the incumbent on the back end of his super chat 
He says, uh, do you think the new chain of command is legit? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it will be more of these two guys working together, head coach and general manager. And it will mostly be the front office stuff will be more general manager stuff. Arthur Blank's 82 years old. He's not going to be doing day-to-day stuff with the Atlanta Falcons. He will be reporting to me. Let's have a meeting once a week and let's figure things out. For me, the front office is now Terry Fontenot's. The football team is Raheem Morris. Great. Those two will work together to try and build the team. Uh, But I I think you're going to see more of a true general manager. I doing the shopping role from Terry Fontenot. And I don't think Raheem Morris will have as much say in personnel as Arthur Smith did. That's okay. I love that separation of church and state. Coaches coach. They're arrogant as hell. And they think they can also scout and handle all that stuff at the same time. It's two completely different skill sets. Completely different. I've seen players that are horrible talent evaluators. It's, it's, It's different. I've seen some guys. We even talk about Bill Belichick. The question, and I, I've said, I said this last night in one of the pods. Was it Belichick or was it Brady or was it a combination of both? For me, it's a combination of both. It's always somewhere in the middle. You might lean more towards Brady. You might lean towards Belichick. I get it. That question we'll never know. However, they, the, the question I feel like I know isn't necessarily that Brady was gone is why Belichick failed. Why Belichick failed is because of Belichick, the GM, the general manager. That's that's why the New England Patriots have, have tailspin. It wasn't necessarily Tom Brady leaving and Bill Belichick can't coach. It's that Bill Belichick was the general manager too and wasn't nearly as good as building a team. Uh, Mike Balls, good to see you. Good morning, Scott. This team passed on hiring in Morris in 2021 for Arthur Smith. Why should the fan base be encouraged that they hired him the second time around? Um, made a mistake. Maybe maybe it's that simple. Maybe they just made a mistake. Maybe... Um, you know, three more years under Sean McVay and building that tree and being able to hire the right offensive guys and expand his Rolodex could be a positive thing. But maybe it's just as simple as, hey, I screwed up. I should have hired him the first time. I mean, to me, that's a little bit of a, not not you, I, I've seen this argument before. It's like, well, if he was so good, why didn't they hire him the first time? Well, you're, we're, we're revising history here, y'all. You want to say that this guy stinks Arthur Blank and the Falcons, they stink. They don't know how to make a decision. And then say, well, they must have made the right decision then because they didn't choose him. Well, that's it's it doesn't line up logically for me. So how about this? Maybe they should have. Okay. Maybe, maybe they should have hired him. Um Roderick Cook. Let's just catch you up. You've probably been caught up in the chat here real quick, but let me let me catch you up here too. What happened to McKay? Have I missed something? McKay is basically out of the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the org chart used to go uh, blank to McKay and then branched off to Fontenot and Arthur Smith. McKay's out. It goes it goes Fontenot and, and uh, Raheem Morris side by side directly to the owner. And um, I had, would make some interesting screenshots, right? Uh, directly to the owner of, of Arthur Blank. And Arthur Blank isn't going to be handling the day-to-day affairs of the Atlanta Falcons. He's just not. So the top two dogs right now are Raheem Morris and, and Terry Fontenot with the Atlanta Falcons. How do you feel about that? How, how do y'all feel about that Atlanta Falcons fans? I, I like it. I, I really do. Uh, Anthony Shea, and this is where it's, it's kind of a wait and see for me also. I think it was a decent hire, more to come for sure. I'm asked 
via a friend of mine via chat, you know, he, he'll text me, what do, you, what do you think? I told him flat out, I like Raheem Morris, but the two biggest questions are still there. Offensive coordinator and quarterback. And I, I was pretty clear about that last night. I was talking fast and it was going fast, but I'm pretty sure I was pretty clear about that, that yesterday. Raheem Morris won't matter if he's good or if he's not, if he doesn't get the right offensive coordinator, play caller with him, and if they don't get better quarterback play, then it won't matter. That's got to, so there's still, there's still work, still work to be done. Nando, good to see you. He says, Grand Rising, Scott. Great day in Falcons history with the, the Morris hire. Great to see you. Uh, and Sean, you know, he's he's definitely on the 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 uh, Bill Belichick can't coach thing. I, I disagree. I mean, he, see, Tom Brady was good, but, you know, let's look at those defenses that they had. Hell, even this last defense that they had. I mean, you're going to war with Mac Jones. That's part of your problem. Um, you know, Mac Jones and, and honestly, you know, I watched Bailey Zappi down at the senior bowl. I didn't think he'd get drafted. Uh, I was like, no, you know, he might be a brilliant mind and he could take the Kellen Moore route, take the Brett Rippon route where he could have a cup of coffee in the league for, a, you know, a couple of years being a third string practice squad guy. And then you turn him into a coach. I, I didn't think he would get drafted. And then you're going there with Mac Jones, who is, you know, Always, any minute you expect him to hear that he just got his ass beat by one of his teammates, if not the opposition, the, the team building is the, the biggest concern. And, and that's one of the reasons why you had that concern coming down here. I don't want Bill Belichick, the general manager. Man, I don't. And he doesn't have the pull to bring in free agents. Oh, yeah, it's different. Who do you, here's, your, here's a question for you, Falcons fans. We just talked about free agency. Based on the last 24 hours, who do you think players are more willing to come play for right now, Raheem Morris or Bill Belichick? I know my answer. doesn't mean I'm right, but I know my answer on that one. Candler Price, good to see you. Good morning. When you have people like Ryan Clark, Bobby Wagner, and Jalen Ramsey promoting you to be a head coach, I'm pretty sure we got something good here. Not to mention they have more playoff victories than our entire franchise. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Brown says, what do you think changed from Raheem Morris when he was our interim head coach and people championed for him to keep the job? What changed? It is really hard, Jordan, for it's really hard in to keep that job. You talk about fresh start, and I've said it before. You know, if, if I'm gonna fire somebody, I mean, I want a fresh start. And that's that was working against him too. Um, you know, he wasn't just a clean hire in 2021. And honestly, I got my timelines messed up because I forgot that they held on to Dan Quinn. It seems like that was so long ago. See, he should have been fired after like 2019. I forgot it was just three years ago. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was like five years ago. No, it was just three years ago. You basically want a clean house, Jordan Brown. And that I, I haven't even made that point. You know, you talk about players usually will be loyal to somebody that's currently on staff. It rarely happens where someone that is on that staff keeps a job. Antonio Pierce and the Raiders is an exception. Um who was it? Rich Visaccia with the Raiders a couple years ago. What after? I don't even remember who was fired. Um, it wasn't McDaniel's the first time. Um, I don't remember who was fired two years ago by the Raiders. Then they hired McDaniel's. That's a bonehead move. But when Visaccia, he went like four and one down the stretch with the Raiders. Everybody's saying, keep this guy, keep this guy. And he ended up being a special teams coordinator. He didn't even get another, he didn't really even get a promotion the next year. Steve Wilkes, that was just last year too, wasn't it? 
Steve Wilkes, didn't he, didn't he have the job with the Carolina Panthers as an interim? Did a did a pretty good job there. Every player said, we want to go keep this guy. Owners don't care. Fresh start. So that, that was working against him for sure. Along with the maybe it was, maybe they should have that I said earlier. You want a fresh start when you start over. It's like, listen, this is, just think of it logically. You're like, okay, this is crashed and burned. We need change. Let's hire somebody from in-house. No, you're, you're, you, you shake it up. Then, so that was working against him too, Jordan. Sean Mock, good to see you. Says live show. I made it good to be here. It's good to have you here. The number of uh, folks, the the numbers keep rising as they come in. So I'm glad to have you uh, have you join us. Um, Bubba Gump, I like this. He says uh, he told McKay go medal with Atlanta United, but leave the Falcons alone. Uh, I'm a I'm a soccer guy too, and I was a season ticket holder with the uh, with Atlanta United until this last year. From the very beginning, and I think was that 2017, I was a season ticket holder for six years. They screwed up the biggest advantage they've had in their life. We want to talk about ownership. It comes down to Arthur Blank's biggest problem is loyalty to a fault. Good lord! Speaking of cleaning house, that should have been done. You had the biggest advantage in American sports with Atlanta United, and F that up. So good luck, Rich McKay. Uh, they need a shake up too. Uh, Zach, good to see you. This is first time live listener. Just finished your Raheem Morris higher episode before tuning in live. Um, well, good. That's a lot of me in the morning. So here's to you. Here's to you. I I I have trouble keeping up with putting up with myself for that long. So glad you're here, Zach. But I second the motion. I don't care what color he is as long as he can coach. Love the content, brother. Yeah, I just like I said, I just. I don't care. I don't even like bringing it up. I really don't. I, I want it to be gone. I I, I see some the uh, some really some uh, some older black men that have lived through. As I was born in the seventies, I missed that stuff. But it wasn't that far behind me in the sixties and stuff. Was it? It feels like ancient history. I mean, it's not. So you know, when you hear Morgan Freeman say something like, "How do we improve race relations?" and he says, "Stop talking about it, brother." I listen. <laughs> I listened to him. Oh, okay, let's move on. Um, Anthony Shea going back to, you know, kind of what I was saying earlier, I think free agency will be good for us this year. All right, free agency, quarterback. We'll get into this. This isn't the episode for it, for, for the Falcons podcast. We don't have the time. We have plenty of time over the next month. Free agency quarterback. Do you want to spend $30 million on on? on uh on Kirk Cousins would you rather drop 20 on Daniil Hunter and take your chances in the draft or with a different quarterback that's going to cost less um we'll see but there are there's money to be had the now was it just because of the Saints but I tell you what the moves that Terry Fontenot and if it was Arthur Smith I'll give him credit too they they made on defense this year were lights out they hit on every single one. David Onyemata was a hit. Caden Ellis was a hit. Jesse Bates, big money, hit. Jeff Akuda. That was a pick swap in Detroit picking up the uh, picking up the tab. That was it. That's four off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm missing. Bud Dupree did a job. Uh, it was cheap and, and did a job for the Falcons. Calais Campbell, where's my head? Calais Campbell, hit. Is that six guys right now on that defense alone? And that was money well spent. And the only real big ticket guy, Anya Mata and Caden Ellis got good money long-term. They were younger. But the only big ticket guy on there was Jesse Bates. 
and that was a. Uh, that was money well spent. So I'm looking forward to see what the Falcons can do in free agency again under Fontenot because did a really, really good job. And uh, speaking of doing a good job, there is my friend finishing up some breakfast. How are you doing, Nick? I know it's been a hell of a week for you. I appreciate you coming in and joining us. Just want to say hello. Good morning. Yeah, I had to do a little bit of a uh, bargaining to be here right now, but uh, that's okay. Uh, no coffee coming down raw, raw dog in it without the, uh, the the bean juice. So uh, doing okay and uh, got about half an hour in me before I need to go and uh, relieve the wife for hopefully the baby's being good. But I don't know. He's he's we say that sometimes when they're being ne- bad, they have the demons, the demons taking over. And but like from <laughs> 11 p.m. to about 3 a.m. just cannot be consoled. So is what it is. He's making the making the calls. You go for a car ride or anything? Have you tried? Have you tried the you know the baby seat in the car ride? Anything? Not yet, not yet. But that's definitely on the horizon. Chris Walker says, "Morning, Scott. I'm hoping that time and experience have helped Morris be a better head coach this time around. I, I think we're counting on that. We can't make that assumption, but I, I think again, thirty-two year old guy, brash, arrogance." Had some success, whipped those guys into a, a, a ten and six season, and then flamed out in the next year. And I think part of the reason why he was gone immediately after a ten and six season, after one bad year, was kind of because of his personality. Mm-hmm. You know, because he was so brash and arrogant. That you don't see that anymore at all. I mean, he was with the Falcons for like two years before I even knew he was with the Falcons. I think he was a wide receivers coach when he came in at first. Um, so just a totally humbling experience for a smart guy. So Nick, what was your uh your reaction? Your because we haven't talked about this. What was your reaction to the Raheem Morris hire and where do you think what do you think he needs to be successful with Atlanta? A quarterback? I mean god, let's be real <laughs> simple with it, but I mean he's a defensive-minded guy overall. I mean, he's worked on both sides of the ball. He's had a really holistic approach and I'm going to be really curious to see the staff that he brings in, because that's something we kind of talked about it with the, uh, the Patriots and Bill Belichick. They're so incestual with their coaching staff. There's not a lot of branches they can pull from, which is pretty rough in today's day and age. And that's not going to be the case with Raheem Morris. I mean, he has been here, there and everywhere on both sides of the ball, uh, drawing back to days with like, you know, Washington, uh, Atlanta, of course, uh, Los Angeles with uh, running a multitude of schemes, both sides of the football, uh, Tampa, obviously. So, uh, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do with his staff uh, wise. And I think he's going to be a really good CEO and problem solver, but what's he going to do at quarterback? I would have said offensive coordinator too, Scott, but I think after the Brian Callahan to Tennessee hire, there's not a single offensive coordinator that's been in their position for more than two years in the entire NFL, which speaks to why you probably want some teams prefer that offensive minded head coach. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, you just expect, you know, volatility and rotation of that spot. Can you get the quarterback? I think that's, that's the big one um, here and doesn't have to be year one, although the roster is kind of set up and you're in striking distance maybe, uh, but uh, it's, it's quarterback. Yeah, it is for me. It's quarterback. And that's the, the concern I have with this hire is your two biggest problems for your, your, your third biggest, your, if I'm ranking order, it's quarterback play, which to me is one, a one B is, is quarterback and offensive coordinator. If you call those two things, then the third one is pass rush for me. Well, none of those were solved with this hire uh, because he is a defense on the defensive side of the ball, at least yet, because as Rusty comes in, Rusty says, I've seriously contemplated burning all of my gear. No cap. See, 
lie is just as easy. No lie. I went on this week, Nick, about how I don't understand the cap slang. I'm like, would lie is short. I don't, you know, why? <laughs> I respect your football takes. Talk me off the ledge. Sell me on Raheem. I'm, I'm not going to sell you on Raheem. That's that's not what I'm I'm here to, to do, and I, I don't think I have. I haven't tried to do that, to say, this is the guy and here's why. What I've tried to say are these are the positives he's bringing to the table, and this is what could happen. Because, again, I like Raheem Morris. Am I cocksure he's going to do a fantastic job? No, I'm not. No. Would I have would I have rather had Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, Jim Harbaugh would have been my first choice because I'm damn near positive on a long enough timeline, he's going to be a winner. I don't have that same track record with Raheem Morris. I like what I see in Raheem Morris, but what is going to matter? So I'm not going to hear to talk you off the ledge. I'll talk you off the ledge. I'm not going to sell you on Raheem. I'm going to sell you to be patient. Let's see what the next three months bring because the offensive coordinator hire, free agency, and the quarterback is going to be what makes or breaks the 2024 season. This really isn't about Raheem Morris. It's not. If you don't get those two, I'm not even going to say fixed because that, but improved, improved a few steps, then Raheem Morris doesn't matter. And I don't think you hire Raheem Morris unless he's got an answer at offensive coordinator, Nick. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what tree he pulls from. Uh, I mean, obviously you have the, Shanahan uh, style of guys. It's too bad Shane Waldron was already scooped up. Maybe there'd be something uh, there with that as well. But um, that's will be interesting to see who does offensive coordinator. Just again, I keep coming back to how much of a chameleon he's been in terms of his defenses and schemes and where he's been gone to go. He has been smart enough and flexible enough to kind of listen to what the head coach wants to do and implement that. I mean, you talk about the Tampa two, you talk about the cover three, you talk about the Vic Fangio match quarter stuff. It's not really been his bread and butter when he started that stuff, but he took it over and made it work and learned it and implemented it. And that's really hard to do because it's not just the coverage schemes in the back. It's what personnel you're using, the run fits, how the coverage and the pass rush matches each other. I mean, it's tough to do. So a problem solver has to be a smart guy, the ability to do that with all the different types of schemes that he's run. And now on both both sides of the ball as well. Uh, big winner for me in this one. Obviously, with this hire, I think the biggest winner is probably Terry Fontenot. I don't know if he he might be the main football guy now. I know there's like Rich McKay out there, and you have your CEO and your president as well. Well, Rich McKay, I'm not sure McKay's, if you, I know how busy it's been, yeah. but Rich McKay's been. <laughs> yes, he's. I'm, I'm like you're you're still active enough on Twitter. You had to have seen that, but Rich McKay's gone. He's still doing the football, uh, representing the organization in the competition committee and some Wave other your stuff. Little hat around. Yep, I'm here. Woo! Uh, but uh, no, that's a. Uh, so he still represents the Falcons, but in terms of the day-to-day, it's Arthur Blank um, taking over more role where they're answering to him um, from what I saw there. Yeah, and, and, and again, uh, an 82-year-old's not handling the day-to-day. So this so is th- this is Terry Fontenot's front office. This is Raheem Morris's team. I'm curious if it's Terry Fontenot's team as well, because I feel like the power struggle there, if, uh, if Terry didn't grab that power and hold on to it, I think Bill Belichick very well might be here right now. So this is a Terry Fontenot hire. I think Terry is the guy with the the main power uh, in this hire as well. And I'm really happy to have Raheem Morris. We talked about him a few times, just didn't talk about him as much as, you know, your Ben Johnson and your Bobby Sloat because the offensive scheme stuff. Also, I mean, McDonald's been incredible this year, but Morris might end up being the best of them. It's just so hard to predict who's going to be a good head coach. So uh, we have questions about the scheme, especially on offense, and what does that look like? But you yeah, have, we have no picks. idea. 
<laughs> yeah, you have you have you have avenues to add talent, and it's. I know Scott, we kind of debated back and forth on the Broncos side of things this year, where how valuable the coach is. The coach is valuable, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's a Jimmy's and Joe's league at the end of the day. And if you get the guys on offense, you should be okay. There's never been a Hall of Fame coach without multiple Hall of Fame players, uh, so you can still, even if you got a defensive guy you know, talking you off the ledge, you got avenues to add talent to get better. You have talent here. I yep. wouldn't be too worried about that. It's a good job. It's a it's a really good job. And and I th- I still think this was a blank and Arthur Blank hire. I really do. Uh, I mean, Fer- Fontenot's in it, but he's got a relationship with Raheem Morris. There's you know a clip buzzing around of Raheem Morris talking about Arthur Blank. You know, just like you know, I love love this guy like a dad. You know, so they they go they go way back. Um, John Harrell, appreciate you coming in with the support. He says, "Here's a little gas money for the ride to Mobile. Thank you. I, I rent a small car." when I go down there and get about 50 miles per gallon. So thank you. Um, Hopefully it's not pouring down rain on me in the dark with one of those rental cars with crap windshield wipers and may pop tires on them. So uh, that was a little hairy last time I came home. Pray for good weather. That's what I'm interested in. If you want good video, you know what we need? Good weather. Give me some good weather. I'm, I'm, I'm growing gills down here in Atlanta right now, John. So appreciate the support you have shown the show all year. It means a lot, my friend. Uh, James Obelton, that feels like a newer super. He says, uh, since Raheem coached under Shanahan on offense, does he fall under his tree? Yes, um, he did. There's now add, he was on that that Washington staff. So just add another head coach to that Washington staff. Uh, but he was also he he was also on that Atlanta staff too. So that 2016 staff that went from Washington to Atlanta, uh, people forget about the people forget about the Falcons. It just doesn't they don't they don't draw as much as those NFC East teams. Um, but I think you can also talk about you know there's almost branches. Maybe it's a root that comes off of him that he's he's also under Sean McVay. You know mm-hmm. as far as that goes. So being able to maybe get a Zach Robinson. Nick, I think that's one of the guys we're looking at here for offensive coordinator. And I said off the bat, the, the ideal hire, and he was interviewed twice by the Falcons, is, is Ejiro Evero for one more year as your defensive coordinator, who was the defensive backs coach under Sean McVay, under uh, Raheem Morris when we're talking about coaches. But yes, uh, he does fall under the, uh, the the Shanahan. And I would say more, more directly for me, the Sean McVay tree. Yeah, it's he's still I know he's coached on the offensive side of the ball. Was it wide receivers coach? I mean, what a resume uh, he has. He's seen a lot of everything. Pass game coordinator, wide receiver coach, but still defense at his heart. So I don't know if I'd consider him more that branch versus the. Uh, and in the end, it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> but I keep coming. The big thing is that he's going to have so many connections that putting together a staff for him, and it might take multiple seasons because it's hard to do because guys become available. Guys aren't available right now, uh, but he's crossed so many paths and has so many connections in the league that he's going to be able to pick from all many different hats and put together a really good staff. And that matters so much in today's NFL. I think, I mean, it's not probably the same extent as college because you have the recruiting aspect at the same time. Uh, but it really does matter. Uh, we just saw it. I mentioned, I think I've talked about it on this show before you can hire an all-star staff, uh, but if they don't have connections with each other, they don't really know each other. There's no trust. And when things get bad and they will in the NFL, uh, it can fall apart quickly, and we saw that this year in Carolina. I mean, Frank Reich, we're looking at all these coaches like individually, like, oh, man, these guys all have had great success. But once adversity hit, uh, you know, these guys are kind of clenching for their own life and pointing fingers, and it falls apart. So I don't think that's going to be the case with Morris. He's going to know these people. He's going to be able to bring them in, and I think that's a really good 
sign for the health of their organization long term. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest difference, we talk about experience and learning from our failures and all that kind of stuff. All that's good things as long as you learn and improve and don't keep making the same mistake over and over again because you're a dummy is the difference between a 32 year old kid taking a head coaching job is your ability to build a staff is it's, it's not only just the connections it's, do I really want to go work for this 32 year old punk kid? I've been in the NFL for 20 years already. You know, this is a, this is a grown respected man now and with connections all over the place. So again, being able to assemble a team and get them all rowing in the right direction is Job number one for the head coach. I think Raheem Morris can do that. I really, really do. I also did want to get to uh, just how good of a job he's done in Los Angeles with that team. I mean, you look at the. Here, let me let me let me let me set you up on this, Nick, and then and uh, Zachary, we're gonna come back to you. There are people that will look at numbers and say, "Well, he had the X-rated defense." Well, not X-rated. The uh, the twentieth rated defense. They weren't even as good as the Atlanta Falcons this year. They've downgraded. I'm looking at stats. What makes you think he's even a better defensive coordinator that they didn't just downgrade? Go. That's a team that, outside of Aaron Donald, is spare parts and day three picks on the defensive side of the ball. The Rams may are going to make their first first round pick. Since Jared Goff, since Jared Goff was drafted back in, I, I know, has it been a decade? I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, they've, they're way in dead cap this season. So what do they have to do this year? They took in a bevy of day three picks, guys that really are good at finding, fitting specific roles. Uh, shout out to Wes Snead, uh, the uh, general manager there at the Rams. He's done a hell of a job too. But day three picks, rookies, turned it around. And we're, I think, Scott, you can remember dating back to the uh, Broncos playing them in preseason. We're looking at like, oh my God, the entire Jep chart on our lads is highlighted green because they're all undrafted day three rookies. This is going to be a terrible Rams team. They could have the top pick. Well, he really turns it around. They get some great production from rookies, identifying them, putting in ways to succeed. An average defense from the talent that they had going into this season, specifically premium picks and uh, big free agent contracts or the lack thereof on the defense is astounding. Uh, he did an unbelievable job with that team this season on the defensive side of the ball. So he's coming into a much better situation in Atlanta, even though the pass rush and defensive front has been not what you'd want uh, long-term. That's something they're going to have to work on, obviously, but a much better situation here in Atlanta than the defensive talent in uh, Los Angeles with a caveat that you have one of the best singular defensive players in the NFL history, but definitely the last decade that changes uh, the math a lot up front, but around him, I mean, you just look, go to our lads. It's day three picks after day three picks and not a lot of uh, premium resources, which again, Jimmy's and Joe's, it's pretty hard to do that on defense. If you don't have the body types, the, the first off the bus body type guys. Yes, it is. I, I think the the players are more important on defense. I think the cohesion coordination and quarterback are more important on offense. It's, that's not really a hot take. Uh, hot take here coming in from Zachary. He says, best opinion show about the Falcons on the internet. Appreciate that, my friend. And uh, the support you are showing the show. Love the show and the takes, boys. Love the honest, in-depth Falcons journalism. At least takes, you know, at least an analysis. I, I always cringe at the term journal. I'm not really a journalist, am I? I write. I, I investigate. Maybe I'm an, an analyst of points. So, um Definitely a, a talking head, that's for sure. And but appreciate you coming in, Zachary. Um, let me see here. Uh, Rusty Harness over on Facebook. He says, "I love that they've had 100 percent faith in Terry Fontenot the way it should be. I think he's earned it." 
I absolutely think he's earned it. I want to, uh, you know, you you came in kind of late. You know, what are what are some of your 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 big takes for this team? Uh, you know, one of the things I think I've learned from you today, because again, you watch more of everybody else than I do. So I'm I'm glad you're here as far as knowing. Um, is is one of your big takes from watching Raheem Morris is that he's not necessarily tied to a system and he is flexible. You're muted. I don't know if you're muted or not. If, I was muted. Yes, okay. I was uh, chewing my little granola minis because um, need the calories. Uh, but uh, I think he's going to be flexible. I think he's going to be a problem solver. And I think he's going to be able to be on the forefront and see what's working around the league and implement it into his scheme. So the fact that he's had so many branches on and worked with so many minds on the defensive side of the ball, I think he's going to be able to look around the league and see what other teams are doing and take it and adapt it and help implement it on his defense. Also on the offensive side of the ball. Okay. Well, what, why is this defense really clamping us right now? What kind of a strategies, personnel that can be used to help attack that to get after, um, you know, take advantage of a Mike McDonald system and stuff like that. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really good hire. Uh, again, he's going to be a little bit of a chameleon and be able to pick different things and not being married to a singular system, I think is, fantastic because what happens when you are married to singular system somebody figures it out there's a new type of player a new play a new emphasis that uh, all of a sudden poof uh, you're struggling again and you are behind the ball and you don't have the ability to go to the changeup, to go to the curveball uh so i think morris will be able to do that on the defensive side of the ball with the scheme keith asks he says scott what kind of tires did you say were on your rental last year must be a southern saying user may pop you know they may pop at any given pop. moment um, yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Heard that from my dad the first time I had a spare on my car when I was 16 and he was from Ohio. So maybe it's a Midwest thing if Nick got it too, um, uh, being an Iowa boy. But yeah, they, the, the May pops on there that were just kind of floating around. It was, I rarely consider pulling over and stopping. I'm like, I'm going to have to get a hotel. I can't drive in this. I can't see. The lights are terrible. It's dark. It's raining. Windows are fogging up. Our pets' heads are falling off. Um. <laughs> Stacy coming in. He says, Good morning, Scott. Nick, does Atlanta have a conference schedule? They've got their future opponents. They are matched up with, I think, the AFC West. And let me see, because they play Denver, they play the Raiders. Uh, on the other side, they've got the the in the Chargers. So they're matched up with the AFC West, and then they also have the Steelers. Their home opponents next year, Panther Saints, Buccaneers, uh, but then Cowboys, Giants, Chiefs, Chargers, Seahawks, Steelers. That doesn't look near as easy as it did this year, does it? Uh, next, and the away opponents, again, are, are the, the same conference, um, your divisional opponents, but are Broncos, Raiders, Eagles, Commanders, Vikings. So NFC East and AFC West. When I said that this was the easiest schedule the Falcons may have in the history of their existence, it wasn't hyperbole. It's going to take a step up next year. Yep, but uh, in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. So... We'll see what they do. We'll see what they can do at quarterback. Boss so talking about quarterback. Boss Trucker comes in and says, "What about Ritter? Ritter is going to have a chance to be the backup quarterback and uh, can get you some snaps games here uh, if you really need him to. It's possible also that maybe Ritter is a part of a trade package. You know, you send a rookie cost controlled quarterback back to bring somebody else in. I mean, that happens all the time. So uh, don't think Ritter is in the Ritter's auxiliary at this point. Uh, you know, but if you can get him as a backup, that's great. If he's not here. Oh, well, uh, probably didn't see enough. So you have a new, st a new staff coming in. They have no allegiances to him. They're going to want their own guy. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, Ritter, good luck. Uh, whatever happens, you're still here. You can be competent, good back backup. I mean, round three pick, that's kind of what most of them turn into. Uh, so that's honestly not a bad uh, hit if he becomes a good backup for a number of years for a day, uh, round three quarterback. But yeah, he's not the guy. Yeah, unless he'll be he'll be here next year unless he's part of a trade package. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he's cheap and he's experienced and he'll have a chance. And, you know, again, I'll say it over and over again. If Ritter ends up, you bring in somebody, you go spend big on a quarterback and Ritter ends up outplaying him in the preseason or in, in camp, good for him. Maybe yeah. he takes that step. But I'm not going into next year counting on that. I'm not putting my job on that. I'm swinging big on the quarterback. And you might strike out. You might. You might not be able to get those guys. Um, Black Mario 618, he says, love your show. Glad to see it's growing. Thank you, my friend. Had our biggest, most watched episode ever yesterday. So that was that was nice as we're leading into Senior Bowl. Overtook my two-year Senior Bowl takes last year. So this is a big couple of months for this show, this channel. And um, we're glad you're here with us. Because I think the fan base needs to give Raheem a chance. And let's see how it plays out. Glad they removed McKay of his duties in football operations. I'm I'm the same way on all that. Check, check, check. I agree. Let's see. Again, Rusty asked earlier, sell me on Raheem Morris. No, I'm not I'm not going to sell you on Raheem Morris because I'm not going to say this is the guy. I'm not going to stake my reputation for whatever that's worth on it. But I will say these are the things I like. These are the things they still need. These are the holes the team still has. Unless you address offensive coordinator play caller and improve your quarterback play. Raheem Morris doesn't matter. And he's brought in to get that offensive coordinator and it'll be up to Terry Fontenot to get him a, uh, a quarterback, which Roderick says, you know, who, who do you think is better? Justin Fields or Kirk cousins with cost availability, etc." I mean, God, that's tough to say. I think you, ha man, it all comes down to Cousins Achilles. If Cousins Achilles is good to go, then Cousins is better, even though it's more of a short-term play. Uh, but Fields has more upside and long-term potential. It really comes down to, you know, what type of offense you want to run and what tree you're pulling from. If it's the, you know, more timing-oriented uh, style of offense, then Cousins is probably the way to go. If you're looking more of the Shane Steichen side of things, where the quarterback athleticism, you know, RPO, heavy where you don't have to play on time and it's okay that Justin Fields holds on to the ball a little bit, then you can go with that. But I think cousins is a little bit more, uh, fits more offenses, if that makes sense. And I think, uh, offers a little bit more immediate ability, depending <laughs> completely depending on the Achilles. That just makes it so hard from where I sit to answer that. But, uh, I think, I mean, who's a better quarterback right now. If I had to pick one game and they're both healthy, it'd be cousins talking five to 10 years. Might have to go fields in that one. So it's a different, it depends on what the question actually is. Uh, Mike Paul says the Falcons need to remember the game versus Detroit in 2020. Morris could have taken two knees and kicked instead. He handed off to Gurley. You scored a game losing touchdown instead. That's on Gurley. <laughs> I know you, you do take the knees on here, but they should know better. You don't get in there. And that was my God. That was one of those years, the Falcon year of all Falcons years where it's like, Percent chance of winning, 99.8, 99.7. None. That was painful, man. That was tough. Um, One more in here I saw I wanted to get to uh, real quick, and now I can't find it. Who was better, Fielder Cousins? Oh, I know what it was. I was just going to ask you a question. You trade a second-round pick for Justin Fields. 
do you ought and you do it soon because you have to make a decision on this do you pick up his fifth year option right away or do you gamble and wait his fifth year option is going to be about 23 million dollars <laughs> I probably gamble. I probably gamble and wait mm-hmm. because of the injury history of Justin Fields. Uh, he has been somebody who's missed a lot of games due to injury and in his style of play. Uh, I don't know if I would want to have that fifth year option being 100% guaranteed when I could probably pay him a contract that would be similar. Uh, obviously, there's a risk because he could go off and then you want to keep him and you, you know, you really pay him. But I think the downside of being committed to him for 23 fully guaranteed given his injury history is more risk than I would want to take uh, right now. So I think the answer is no, uh, but I have not done, you know, a deep dive uh, on that one. Yeah, I would, I would take the risk too. I would probably Daniel Jones this. I wouldn't want to Sam Darnold it. I'd be willing to take that risk. If he plays like a $40 million quarterback, who's worthy of a, uh, a franchise tag for negotiation purposes, then guess what? I'm in the playoffs. I'm in the freaking playoffs if I get a $40 million quarterback play next year. Not if I have a quarterback I'm paying $40 million, but if I get a quarterback that has earned a $40 million contract in 2025, I'm in the playoffs. I'd risk that. I I would probably make the trade and decline the fifth-year option the same way as Jeff Okuda. And if I have to pay a premium on it, so be it. You know why? It would be worth it. It would be worth it because if you get again, I'll say it again. If you get a forty million dollar quarterback next year, who is a free, who becomes a free agent, then you're in the playoffs, no doubt yeah. in my mind. Um, wanted to say we got uh, got a couple. I saw a couple things that hit. it just rolls by so fast. Want to say hello to Ryan. Uh, good to see you, Ryan. I hadn't gotten to say hello today. Good morning. Ryan's with us every week through the dog days of July, through the hot days of January. So. Uh, certainly appreciate you being here. String guys trying to sell uh, the Falcons. Uh, Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson ends up with the Atlanta Falcons, it'll be because they signed him to a cheap contract after he was cut. No one is sending a pick or a dollar to the Denver Broncos for Russell Wilson. Uh, the Denver Broncos have played their hand, unfortunately, when they benched Russell Wilson for his uh, for his contract when they made when they benched him so for monetary for financial reasons and just like Derek Carr you're not trading for Derek Carr if you want him you're going to wait until he hits free agency and then you're going to sign him to a dirt cheap contract because any money you pay Russell Wilson offsets what the Broncos are paying him so Russell Wilson will play on a vet minimum in 2024 and he's not going to cost you any draft picks to do it sorry Denver Broncos if you wanted something out of Denver out of Russell Wilson you screwed up I think Wilson kind of screwed that up, honestly, but uh, that's a different conversation. Uh, but yeah, no, you're going to pay him vet minimum. Broncos have to pay on the hook for everything else. So why would you not just take the vet minimum? Uh, Michael Ronquillo coming in saying, good morning, Scott and Nick on Coast to Coast. Is it morning? I don't even know. Uh, the sun's not up yet, but uh, I do have to be wrapping up here to go take over baby duty. After. Thanks graciously to my wife for um, holding down the fort for 30 minutes. I'm like, I got to go. We had a hire. So I got to go help Scott for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it, Nick. Uh, good to see you, Michael. String guy says, who is better, Fields or Wilson? Uh, I'd, I'd probably rather have Fields. I'd rather bank on the upside of Fields than Wilson at this point. Um, Fields actually still has 25 years old, I'll take Wilson, but they're not. I'd, I'd rather bank on the upside of Justin Fields. Fields has more athleticism. They both take bad sacks, and they uh, 
both fumble the ball because they hold on to the ball too long in the pocket. Uh, but with at least with Justin Fields, you have the ability for explosive plays at a higher rate because of the athleticism, and you can bank on the upside and growth as well. So definitely Fields. And I think this is a case that Joe is bringing up as well. I'd take Russell Wilson and still draft a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. If you go, if you now you might not draft him. If you go with a veteran quarterback, you're probably going best prospect available at eight. And I don't know you can get a quarterback at eight that you want anyway. Um, but you're you're banking on a playoff run. If I go vet quarterback, and especially if I pay anything for him, uh, either money or trade, then I'm banking on a playoff run next year. This is a playoff roster minus the quarterback. So then I'm going best prospect available. Who can help me the, the, the fastest? Which is frankly one of the reasons they took Bajan Robinson last year. It was a win-now move. Triple Eight, Dr. Pepper says some of the Chicago media have indicated the Bears are not going to make a decision on fields until late in the process. It isn't like we can just trade for him now. You can always make trades with the right cost. That's that's talk. This is, you know, they 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 I guarantee you they've already made a decision until somebody calls up and changes their mind because they've offered a deal they can't refuse, either for that number one or for Justin Fields. More likely it will be Justin Fields uh that that is ends up not. Chicago Bear instead of the number one overall pick. But Chicago's job right now is to maximize both the value of Justin Fields and their number one pick. That's all they are interested in up until free agency slash the draft is how do I get the most value? Oh, we're going to keep Justin Fields. Oh, we're 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 going to keep number one. You're going to hear both of it from all of them. That's why mm-hmm. they're they're trying to create a bidding war on this. And that's their only goal up until they make the final decision is to increase the value of both their number one pick and Justin Fields. If they had a deal that they thought was good, Justin Fields would be gone already, but they're holding out, you know, playing the the value game. Hopefully somebody after the dust settles a little bit, uh, somebody will make a move. So I I'm that's just talk to me. Like you said, uh, Bobby means comes in. So it's going to be fun to see how Terry and Raheem work as a team. Yeah, that's, typically takes a bit of time to kind of understand that relationship. You know, you need a broad enough sample size, which means you need to have success uh, to get to that sample size, to understand what's going on there as a team. But yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited for the draft. I mean, you should have four top 100 picks. We'll see what happens with that. Calvin Ridley uh, signing Jacksonville or not uh, changing that from a third to a two, I believe. And uh, you know, we talk a lot about quarterback. We've talked about uh, pass rush as well. I think, at eight overall, there's a chance it also could still be a wide receiver, as you know, as much as some people don't probably want to hear that. But Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze are phenomenal, and uh, wide receiver is definitely in play there. Uh, also, could be cornerback. Uh, Terrion Arnold is a pretty damn special cornerback out of Alabama who people are starting to talk about as a top 10, uh, potentially top five pick uh, caliber guy. So if he's there at eight, could see that as well, given questions on the other side you know, not a, not a true difference maker you got some guys there it would have to just be a situation where the board falls that way it's like we love this guy too much we can't pass him uh so we'll see um it's a lot of fun with that eighth pick i'm glad we can be talking about that and all the top 100 picks this year double f will ask would you give justin fields a similar contract to the one jordan love got this past year now jordan love they basically gave him a little bit of a bonus over his fifth year option that's all it was so it was if you pick up his fifth-year option, you are giving him almost identically the same contract that Jordan Love got. So, um, would I? And that's the question is that I, I posed to Nick. I would probably gamble. I would probably, if I were to pick up, if I'm a team that adds Justin Fields, 
I would probably gamble and risk losing him in free agency. Okay, that's fine. I can tag him. I've got the franchise tag. If, if he plays at the level where he becomes a hot free agent, I've got the franchise tag in my pocket now, which would be 30 plus million dollars. So I end up losing $10 million on my gamble, but I ended up not risking doing the Carolina Panthers and having Sam Darnold on the bench with a $25 million cap hit. You know, so I would probably, if I make a move, I would decline the fifth year option and risk having to pay him more. Because like I said, if I'm paying him more, it means he had a hell of a season. And if he has a hell of a season, the Falcons are in the playoffs and you want to give him a lot of money. Yep. So it'll be a lot of fun uh, to see what happens from here. Good hire. Uh, Happy for Raheem Morris. I was kind of getting sad that it looked like he was maybe going to get passed over this cycle. Uh, Definitely a deserving candidate. It's been a decade since he's been a head coach in the league, and he's definitely learned some stuff since then. So now we get to see what staff he brings in and uh, the direction of the team. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, gosh, man, you're going to be down there watching guys. We need to get that staff in place before the senior bowl so we can kind of figure out what the pieces are really needed here. But uh, again, should be a lot of fun. There was a, a comment about Bo Nix moving up. He could. Um, that's going to be one of my focal points. Him and Penix, the quarterbacks get the most views. And frankly, I'm going to go where the views are. So I, my first two videos will be that I post Tuesday night will be the practice of Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Those will be Tuesday night on these channels you're watching right now. Uh, Joseph Braxton, he says, if you get Russell Wilson, um, with all of your young, talented players on cheap contracts-ish contracts, you go all in this year, meaning you draft pass rusher, potentially an elite wide receiver in the first round. Yep, absolutely. It would be best prospect available at a position of need and a premium position, and you can do that. Whether it's Dallas Turner, whether it's wide receiver, Brock Bowers fit that. <laughs> He's not necessarily, if you get him on a tight end, his fifth-year option becomes dirt cheap again, yeah. um, but that becomes best prospect available. And, yeah. and honestly, Joseph, corner fits the bill here too. If you've got an, a corner opposite A.J. Terrell, but it could be wide receiver. You've only got one wide receiver under contract in Atlanta and Drake London. That's it. You got one. So you go skill four years in a row in the top 10. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. The board dictates um, that. And then, you know, you don't necessarily want to go. I don't think you're going offensive tackle in this one, even though that's becoming a need too. Yep. Yep. So I got to fly, Scott. Uh, yep. Let's get out of here, y'all. So, oh. well, we'll get out of here. We'll let Nick say goodbye. Nick, thanks for stopping in. I want to say thanks to everybody else for stopping in as well. We will not be here Monday. We are, I'm driving down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. We, we, we will be back on Tuesday. So we switch up the schedule every now and then. That's a good reason to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button to make sure you are getting your alerts. Want to thank everybody for being here today. Want to say a special thank you to Dave, Rusty, John Harold, James, and Zachary for the super chats. It is a new era in Atlanta. It is a new era in LA. You should be excited for it. It's going to be a fun couple of months through free agency in the draft, Nick. Yeah, I really fun to see what happens. Uh Gosh, I know there's going to be a lot of debate about the quarterback spot. Maybe Atlanta gets a little spicy. You got the capital. Maybe you can get up to three and get one of those top quarterbacks. I mean, if not now, then when? It's going to be hard. We'll have to see if anybody, if the Patriots would be willing to do that. But new staff there, maybe they do want to turn that over. Uh, especially a defensive if, you know, coach there, too. Maybe he wants a, Maybe he wants defense. You don't want the quarterback. Yeah. I, just, I think it's going to be awfully hard to get into the top three. It's going to be expensive. But uh, you know what else is expensive is trotting a team year after year that doesn't have the quarterback. So uh, that's yeah. losing at some point. Losing you got to take the shot. Missing is expensive. Yep. 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 So, all right. 
I got to fly. Yep. Appreciate you guys. And uh, I'll let you run, run us out, Scott. Yep. Thanks for being here. Uh, we will see you on Tuesday. Keep an eye on the channel. We'll be putting up content all weekend. So thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, have yourselves a great, God, it feels like we're starting the week now. Like we're just getting started. This is the beginning. No, it's Friday. Enjoy it, y'all. Picks for this weekend. I'm going Ravens because for some reason I'm stupid enough to pick against the Chiefs again and 49ers, their favorites for a reason. We're out of here. Nick, you want to get on on that real quick? Ravens-Lions, baby. I know it's tough to pick the Lions, but uh, come on, let's bite some kneecaps. All right, you're going to have to apologize to Natalie on this one. My wife said, is the Super Bowl this weekend? She's like, it's not real right. I'm like, no, it's AFC Championship game. It's like, oh, they had Super Bowl balloons out. Uh, They were advertising the Super Bowl and they had balloons out. I said, what color are they? The logo, there's been a whole logo conspiracy. I, I know, and I told her about that. Yeah. I said, what color are they? She goes, she goes, I don't know. There was a lot of purple. Let's go. <laughs> I just laughed. I'm like, I'm going to use that on my show tomorrow. I'm going to have to apologize to Natalie as well. I see Patrick is in here. <laughs> it's Patrick's birthday today. So happy birthday to Patrick Wiltsey. Um, the God bless him, man. Uh, number one provider of our mornings with uh, Lion Coffee. I did not have a chance to make mine yet. I'm going to go do that uh, now after I take over baby duty. But Mine's I do really do have to fly. Shout out to Patrick. Happy birthday. You have a fantastic day, man. We really do appreciate you. Yeah, happy birthday, Patrick. Aloha. Five hours difference, I think. Maybe even six. So he's up really early with us. LionCoffee.com. Check him out. He keeps us fueled in the mornings. Keeps us going. Thanks, everybody. Y'all have a hell of a football weekend, and we'll see you next week. Peace.